On this episode of the Infinite Adoption Guide podcast, J.T. Olson joins me to talk about raising money for your adoption while serving a widow through his nonprofit organization called Both Hands. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Infinite Adoption Guide podcast. My name is Tim Elder. I'm a dad of three through infinite adoption, and this podcast is all about domestic infant adoption. We give you the inspiration, the hope, resources, and amazing guests like we have today to help you adopt faster with more confidence and hopefully less headaches. Thank you so much for joining me today. We have an awesome guest, JT Olson. He's the founder and executive director of BothHands.org. After he himself was orphaned as a child, along with his four siblings, He had a successful sales career, and then he went on to start this organization called Both Hands. It's a faith-based nonprofit that serves orphans and widows. And his personal tragedy really gave him an overwhelming understanding of the need to find homes for the world's orphans and vulnerable children. And his new book follows his personal journey, his powerful journey towards spiritual restoration and recounting those significant moments in his life including his own family's decision to adopt a little girl from China. So with the costs of adoption on the rise, his nonprofit's goal is to fulfill the call in James 1.27 to care for orphans and widows by alleviating the financial burden facing families considering adoption. It's an amazing organization. We're going to get into talking all about it with J.T. Olson right now. Okay, on the line with us today is J.T. Olson. He and his wife have been married for over 30 years, have five children, four biological and one chosen, and we are honored to have him on the show today. Welcome, J.T. Thank you, Tim. It's nice to be here. Honor. Oh, yes, me too. I just love everything about your organization. And it's, what's funny is I found out about you and your organization through my wife, who happened to be watching a news story on TV about a couple, a local couple, who are wanting to adopt and wanting to raise money for their adoption, and we watched it on, she watched it on TV. I went back and watched the, the video later online. But this couple wanted to raise money for their adoption, but they're also helping a 29-year-old widow with two with twin boys that are four years old and a nine-month-old baby boy. She lost her husband in a tragic a car accident. It just The story is just incredible. It just showed how this couple is loving on and serving this young widow all while raising almost 20 grand for their adoption. So it's just fantastic. <laughs> Just I mean, open my eyes to your organization and what it does. And before we get too far into the both hands uh, on what it does, how it works, I wanted to ask you about your book because uh, the or, it's called The Orphan, The Widow, and Me. I have a copy. I'm looking at it right now. I read it in, I think, two days. I mean, for me, that's, that's, a, that's a minor miracle because I'm not a big <laughs> book reader, but I just, just engaging. It's a powerful story. And I just absolutely loved it. So I wanted to ask you just what led you to write the book? What what led you to put your whole story and everything in this book? Well, it, it was because every time I would tell the story of both hands and, you know, uh, whether it was be 15 minutes or half an hour, someone would usually come up to me afterwards and say, you should write a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so we finally did. You know, it, it took several years to, to, to do it all and uh, had some help with it, but you know, that's what, that's what we did. It just, I, and you know, the more I started writing it, it was kind of weird. Even my wife said it. She said, if I hadn't lived it all, I don't think I'd have believed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can see that after reading it. Yes. Yeah. So well, that's awesome. I, we know it's not easy to write a book. So I think everybody listening to this got to get the book. Cause it's an amazing story, not just about adoption, just about life in general and just, um, the amazing 
journey that you went on with for not just you but your whole family and including your wife and i wanted to talk about in the book i mean obviously you go through a lot but and we can't go through it all but what led you and your wife to want to adopt so you had four biological children and which i in the book goes through really an amazing journey how you even had those four children but how do you get to the point where you and your wife wanted to adopt and what led you to that that's interesting. I mean, because it, it, it happened kind of because I had a job, you know, with a, with a company that I was traveling a lot. But in 1997, I decided to leave that job because I didn't want to travel. We had four kids. And basically, I decided because I have a pretty strong feeling and pretty strong conviction about life. And, uh, and I was pretty pro-life. And I thought, well, I want to do something that's going to, you know, reflect kind of one of the things I believe. So I, you know, I uh, got to be on the board of a local organization, Bethany Christian Services, the local board here in Nashville, and they work with women in crisis pregnancies and things like that. And they're also an adoption agency. So I was kind of in this world of adoption, and we knew some other folks that were adopting. I went to Fellowship Bible Church, and I saw the pastor adopt, and I would come home from these, you know, the Bethany meetings every month, and my wife would say, well, so how was the meeting? And I said, oh, it was good. You know, we did this, we did that, we talked about that. And I said, oh, and there's two little kids down at Baptist, uh, two little twin uh, girls down at Baptist that's just born there in the neonatal. She said, oh, well, let's go see them. And I would say, <laughs> well, what, why? Uh, well, what, maybe we can adopt them. I said, whoa, 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 what, what do you mean? We just, I mean, I left my company. We just started this new company. We haven't even taken a paycheck yet. All the money we amassed over those years is all going out the door. (laughs) Nothing's coming in. I said, do you realize if we adopt, we're going to have to go into our life savings. Do you want to go into our life savings? And that would usually kind of quiet her down. And then the next month would come around, and I would say, I go to the meeting. Well, how was the meeting? Well, we did this, we did that. Oh, and there's a boy down at Southern Hospital right now. (gasps) Should we go see him? And I said, wait a minute. And after about three or four times of that, she finally, one time she said, listen, because, you know, I had talked about adoption. I talked about adopting someday. It's just that the biggest thing that held me back was the finances. And at one point she stopped me and said, listen, all four kids in this family are all on board with adopting. I'm on board with adopting. The only one that's holding us back is you. <laughs> and when you get on board, you can talk to your friends, talk to folks at the Bethy, talk to all you want about adoption folks, but stop talking to me about it. You know, when you're on board, let me know. <laughs> and boy, that just kind of <laughs> quieted me down. <laughs> and then it was, I remember it was Christmas Eve, December 24th, 2001. It's about 11 o'clock at night. I was headed up stairs to go into the attic area to get the stockings to hang by the chimney with care, which is what I did every Christmas Eve. And I got up into the attic and I looked around and I saw a stroller, saw a high chair, saw a crib and a bunch of other child toys. And the thought hit me, we've got everything we need to raise another child. And then the thought hit me, what's wrong with using a life savings to save a life? Mm. It's, you know, Kyle, you want to tell the story some more because it's like, you know, some, sometimes your father takes you to the woodshed, or my father took me to the attic, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it was at that point I realized, you know, this is, you know, JT, what are you clinging on to? 
you know, I was hanging on to things that are going to rust and erode and, 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 and blow away. And it just hit me. Why not use a life savings to save a life? And so I walked down the stairs. My wife was headed up because she was getting something in preparation for the Christmas morning thing. And I stopped her and I said, hey, we've got a high chair. We've got a, we got a stroller. we got a crib. we got everything. we got a bunch of toys up there. And she thought I was going to say, it's time for a yard sale. Let's get rid of this stuff. And <laughs> I just looked at her and I said, we got everything we need to raise a child. What's wrong with using a life savings? to save a life. And she looked at me and said, are you serious? <laughs> I said, yeah. She said, can I tell the kids? <laughs> I said, yeah, let's tell the kids. So that next morning, in, in the kids, all four kids got a note in their stocking saying that they were going to be getting a new baby brother or baby sister. And uh, that was really how it happened. And December 26th, my wife was on it. <laughs> I mean, that's when the that's when the process started. She didn't waste any time, and and uh, it's kind of a circuitous route how we end up going to China. But it was a big deal. We ended up adopting Gracie, and we got her in September of two thousand three. So yeah, and you talk a lot about that in the book about yeah your journey to to get to that point, and that's really cool how how you were able to adopt her from China and. Well, can you talk about, first of all, before you brought her home, what was it like when you just first met her over there? You went over there, right? And that's what you have to yeah. do on an international adoption. What was it like when you first yeah. met her? Well, I just, you know, we fortunately, I mean, we had some people just, somebody gave us a bunch of airline miles. And it was right after the SARS epidemic in China. Mm, and right. so China was just opening up. I think we were the, one of the first or second groups in after the SARS thing, when they opened it back up. So the prices were low, hotel prices were low, everything was low, and someone gave us air miles. So we were able to take all four kids to China with us. Wow. So that in itself was amazing, to be able to take your kids on the journey of a lifetime to pick up their little sister. And we've been anticipating this. We've been thinking about it. We, the kids are all excited. We had our picture up in the kitchen. And, I mean, it, the kids' prayers at nights were funny, you know, and, and, uh, and exciting and touching. Um, and one of the things I remember, if I can fit this story in, <laughs> I remember when we first uh, we got the, um, all the stats on her, her height, her weight, and, you know, how they found her and everything else. Her name was Xiao Shu. And I came home from, it was during the summer, I think, and I came home from uh, the office for lunch with the kids and everything. So we're sitting around and we, it was a big deal because we read this paper and said, here's a little sister. And we read all the stats. I went back to the office. And that, and I realized on the document, the name there was Grace, Shaoshu mm. Grace. And I said, I called my wife. Said, did you tell our adoption agency what we were naming her? She said no. And my wife did some research because we'd named her Grace. I mean, ever since early, early two thousand one, when we mm. were gonna, when we were ever, ever, ever gonna adopt, that's what we were gonna do. And she found out that the lady who found her when she was three weeks old on the steps of the Chinese school in a little box with a rag and a bottle, they named her Grace. Mm. <laughs> Meant to be. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Someone says, well, why'd you go to China? Because that's where Grace was. <laughs> that's awesome. That's where she was. Anyway, boy, yeah, yeah. I know you got a lot. You got a lot to say. I know. I'm. And there's a lot in the book, and I want to let people 
experience that in the book because there's some powerful, powerful stories. And in fact, on one particular one I wanted to touch on is on page 123. Or I don't know why I remember that, but page 123, maybe it's 123. You tell a story about the day your daughter chose you. Now, oh. So she was home with you already and yeah. integrating into your family and all that, how that you know works with uh, bringing a child into your family. But she chose you in that day, and I wanted you to just talk about that and why that was a special moment for you. Well, and, I, and I'll go back to when we first got her in that big room with 22 other kids. You know, the, the, our, our four kids were there, my wife was there, and they handed Gracie to us. Most of the other kids were nine months or ten months. Gracie was 17 months old. And they handed it to us, and she was just bawling her head off. Mm. You know, scared, I'm sure, here these strange-looking people. And and my wife held her, and then she gave her to me right away, and I was holding her, I was singing in her ear, and I realized this isn't going to work like the other four kids because they didn't hear you singing outside the wall. And, you know, <laughs> they, don't, they don't know your voice like your other kids did. But I turned around. I remember, it'll never, I'll never forget it. Turned around, and I looked at all my kids. I kind of went around in a circle looking at them, and they were all just bawling. You know, looking at the little sister, just feeling so much weight, like, oh, she's sad, she's scared, but we love her so. You know, and in that process, when we were there for two weeks in China, my third son, Nick, my third child, Nick, he was, I think, nine or ten years old at the time. Uh, I think I got the right. But he was the one that she took to right away. And we'd be strolling with her, and she'd look back. And if she wasn't pushing the stroller, she'd start put up a fit and point to Nick. So no, 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 he has to push me. He has to push me. And <laughs> I mean, she was she had picked him as the favorite. Well, as time goes on, she accepted the others. And then when we got home, she accepted the others. Me, she didn't accept. Whenever there was a choice of anybody else, anybody else, she always chose someone besides me. When I would pick her up, if someone was around, she said, "No, no, no, over there." And one day, probably about six weeks, five or six weeks after we were home, we were in the front yard playing. And I remember the neighbor lady was there, one of the, the women she was named after. And um, my two or three of my kids were out in the yard, and we were playing. And Gracie fell down, and she was crying. And instead of going to Nick or Daly or Max or Robin, she came to me. She put her arms up. And came to me. It was an amazing moment. And even my neighbor and everyone knew the situation. And they all just, everyone, like their mouth was open. Oh, Dad, she, she went to you. <laughs> and it was like, that's the day she chose me. Mm. That, was, that was a big deal. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can just feel that, the emotion there. Because that's just a powerful moment when you knew she was yours. You knew this was going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So you, you adopted her. You, you, she is in your family. You're living, you're, you're moving on, you're, you're growing together. And at some point, something led you to start both hands. Can you talk oh, about that? This, this I know I'm not fast forwarding. I know <laughs> there's a lot that happened there. Well, I, oh, I'd love to tell this story. Because, I mean, I was on the board of Bethany. One year I was in charge of the fundraiser. They said, you're in charge. I said, well, let's do a golf tournament. So, you know, got some people together. It was the kind of thing where you mail letters out to people and say, would you sponsor me while I golf? And that's just the concept. You know, mm -hmm. some people do a run, a 5K, or et cetera. Okay? So I sent letters out like I was supposed to. One of my buddies who I was in a Bible study with, he sends my letter back to me. Does not include a check. He just taken a 
fine tip magic marker and he scribbled across my letter. He said, JT, if you told me you were working on a widow's house, I might sponsor you, mm. but you're just golfing. Nice cause, but not my money. Now, <laughs> kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, I can imagine. Well, but at the same time, I thought, gee, that's a good idea. You know, that's yeah. really a good idea. And a couple of days later, I called him and we talked about it and laughed and he still didn't give me any money. Uh, but, <laughs> but the idea just never left me. I mean, Tim, whenever I looked and I saw a 5K or a golf tournament, I kept asking myself, mm. if all those people were working on a widow's house instead of running, would that be more effective? Mm-hmm. I just couldn't figure out. I didn't have the other piece of the puzzle. I had the widow piece together, but not the other piece. And probably a couple of years after I got that letter, um, a friend of mine, I saw him in church, hadn't seen him in a couple months. I said, hey, what's up? And he said, well, I'm adopting four kids from Moldova. I said, whoa, what happened? <laughs> Don's already has three of them Whoa. at home already. Yeah. I said, what happened? He said, well, I went on a mission with Sweet Sleep and uh, fell in love with this little boy, George, little seven, eight-year-old boy, and we became inseparable. When we got home, we started the adoption process and found out in the process he's got three siblings. And Don looked at me and says, we're not going to break up the siblings. And honestly, right then it took me back to, you know, when I was a child back in the farm in Iowa, there was five of us living on a farm and one weekend in March, 1969, I remember my mom and dad left to go celebrate their 16th wedding anniversary. And those five kids were kind of farmed out to different places. And, and I remember Saturday night being brought home because mom and dad were coming home. And I'd played in the barn all day, so when I got dropped off, you know, I had to go out in the basement and change. My other brother, uh, he went in the front door. But I remember sitting in the basement of our farmhouse there, bending over and lacing my boots. And my brother came down the stairs. I looked up at him, and kind of with excitement and expectation, I said, I'm mom and dad home. And he looked at me, and he said, Mom and dad are dead. And I said, I, I said, what? And that's when I started noticing his eyes were red, and he, you know, he, he wasn't smiling. I, he said, Mom and Dad are dead. They were killed in a car accident an hour ago. And he turned around and went back upstairs. I mean, he had just found out himself, you know, as he mm-hmm. walked to the front door, and then he came down to the basement to tell me. But I remember hitting the floor. I remember that cold cement floor just... I was a 12-year-old boy, wailing like any seventh grader would. And, um, I mean, I know what it's like to be an orphan, I guess. That's right. Mm-hmm. I know what it's like to hear those words. I know what it's like to wonder who's going to take care of us, uh, you know, what's going to happen to us now. I know what it's like to wake up the next morning and, you know, think it was a dream. But then you realize this isn't a dream. And it just... There's a pain that it's hard to describe, but I know what that's like, but I also know what it's like to be rescued because three months before this accident, my mom and dad and my aunt and uncle, my mom's sister and her husband, they changed their wills that if anything would happen to one of the couples, the other couple would take them. Well, my aunt and uncle live in a very nice suburb of Milwaukee called Brookfield. They had three children of their own. They were 33 years old and they took all five of us in. Wow. Uh, I mean, I know it's like to have someone come up and say, we got you. 
Mm-hmm. We got you. Mm-hmm. It may not always be fun, but we got you. So back to the, you know, the, the the conversation back in church with my friend Don, and he says to me, "We're not going to break up the siblings." Well, I'm the just right guy to say that. To right, me. right. Because I'm sitting there instead of sitting there saying, "Well, are you sure?" I remember the thought I had went through my head was, "Here's a man who's trusting God in a way that I envy." I want to have a faith like that. And I just looked at Don. I said, Don, because by then we'd adopted Gracie. I said, Don, how much is going to cost? <laughs> he right. said, Somewhere between 70 and 80,000, they're telling us. And I said, do you have any idea how you're going to raise that money? He said, no. And I said, I think I got an idea. And so long story short, I mean, uh, we got about 13, 14 guys together. We all sent letters out to everyone we knew. And we said, would you sponsor me for the day while I work on this widow's house? <laughs> All the money I raised is going to go towards getting these four kids uh, home to their forever home. And we found a widow in Nashville who needed help, got all the supplies donated, because everyone liked the idea. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then and, and we sent letters, and we spent the day working on the house. I bet about 30, 35 people showed up that day. It was just a fun day. I mean, it was just a blast. And uh, when it was over, we had raised little over $70,000. And yes, I did send a letter to my buddy, Bill Ivory. <laughs> and yes, he sent a check in. <laughs> nice. Nice. It came back around and he honored it. That's awesome. Yes. And every year since he sent a check to both hands. So, uh, he started something pretty big. So that's kind of the story uh, yeah. of, of that first project and really how we got the idea. Yeah, and I know in the book you talk about how it, it built from there. It wasn't just a boom, you got this big organization and you're helping all sorts of people everywhere. It was definitely a okay. process and, a, and you built it up. And you and ha, when did you start both hands? It was like eight years ago, yes? Uh, no, it was 12 years oh, ago. Oh, sorry, now. 12. The first right. project, remember, I was still working. Yep. Uh, the yep. first two projects, I hadn't started yet, but the first project was in March of 2007. And the next project, because about, you know, about four or five months after that first project where another buddy of mine came up and said hey i heard what you did with don would you help me <laughs> i said sure that was fun let's do it again man and uh but it was the end of that end of that second project there that we really uh that's when my wife and i went out to eat and i said gee i think this is what i'm supposed to do and, and again keep in mind you know she was a stay-at-home homeschool mom our oldest was just had just finished his first year in college so we had we had a lot of kids to raise and not like we had a big amassed a lot of money money. She just said, you know, some health insurance would be nice, maybe some income. And I said, Yeah, I would. <laughs> would you consider doing the work outside the home? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, it's interesting though, because God has something for her too. This isn't just about me, honestly. Um, but she went to work at a local college, Belmont University in admissions, and was there for seven years. The last three or four years was in a development. And for the last four years now, she has worked in development for Concerned Women for America, which is the largest national conservative national policy uh, organization in the country. They just they're out of D.C. and they try to keep conservative principles in front of policymakers and lawmakers and things like that. So God and she's really done a great job and God has really blessed with what she's done, too. So. But anyway, so yeah, that's what she, so she went to work. I started both hands in August of 2008. Okay. And can I give the stats now? Because that's my favorite part. Oh, please. Yes. <laughs> Let's do it. Well, now we've done 1,008 projects in 44 states. 
I mean, just let that number sink in. It just, th- it just blows me away. Over a thousand projects. So, and, you, and when you say project, that means you have a, a couple that wants to adopt, raise money for their adoption, and a widow yeah. to serve. That's a project. And when that yeah. project is yeah. done, that means that widow has her house or whatever you are doing to serve her is done, and the money is raised for the adoption. Yeah. And, and I should say about 10% of those, uh, of the 1,008, probably about 10% of them are not family projects because mm. we also do what we call orphan care projects. Oh, okay. So, for example, when a Sunday school wants to do a project to raise money for either the church adoption fund or maybe there's an orphanage in Haiti or Costa Rica or someplace that they want to raise money for, we'll do a project for that too. Okay, awesome. And so actually that's, that's pretty – that's become pretty you know that's like it's a good way to raise money it's oh, just a good way yeah. to raise money yeah and it's fabulous when you're talking about it in the book it just is how you're serving widows and you tell stories and uh, this one particularly that stuck out to me was this woman his name was sharon she was a widow in the, one of the projects and one line in the book that really stuck out to me when she said when the project was done she said i guess this means god really loves me i mean yeah. Good grief. Uh, can you, uh, that's just a, that just hits you right in the heart there. That yeah. makes it all worthwhile, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, you're, you're serving a widow, you're funding an adoption. You're really trying to eliminate one of these huge obstacles in the adoption world, which is finances. So yeah. many people struggle with it because like you said, it could be tens of thousands of dollars. And so I wanted to point out to it because a lot of my listeners, most of my listeners are domestic infant adoption. So they're not going to be adopting from overseas. And I want it to make clear that you do help folks that adopt in the States. Correct. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, obviously you did because oh, yeah. I saw it on TV. Yeah. I, that was the people that were adopting in our neck of the woods. Yeah. Oh yeah. We do domestic. I mean, in the past it's kind of been probably a little more international than domestic, but now we're seeing a few more. Uh, it's kind of coming to about a 50, 50. Yeah. Yeah. But, and here's the other thing, we've served, of those 1,008 projects, we've served 1,111 widows, and mm. there's 1,258 kids are no longer orphans. Mm-hmm. And in the process, Tim, we've raised $12.5 million for families to use for adoption. Mm. And the, the kicker... I mean, in my opinion, it's the kicker is that we don't take any money out of that. When we help a family raise money, 100% of the money they raise goes to them in the form of a grant. Mm. We we don't, like a lot of 501c3s, take a portion for their expenses. Right. I set it up differently. I said, this is going to be kind of a gamble, but and the board was kind of questioning me a little bit, but I said, I think this will work. And you know what? God's blessed it. We haven't missed a payroll people support us. I mean, we have a big fundraiser every year that we do. We work on a widow's house. You know, we don't do a concert or a banquet. We actually go work on a widow's house about between 50 and 75 of us send letters out. and We fix up a widow's house here and we raise a good portion of our expenses. And so that's the other thing that's kind of neat is it's, it's, yeah, it's that's really, it's it's a perfect nonprofit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a rare it's thing to hear about a nonprofit. A non-profit yeah, that has a hundred percent. What did you say? How did you say that? The most, the most irresistible nonprofit in America. <laughs> but a hundred percent of the money we raise yes. goes to the family. We don't take anything for our expenses. <laughs> yes, that's great. That's good stuff. That is exactly right. Uh, 
can you just explain, uh, we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but can you give a little more detail just kind of how the process worked? Like say if uh, a couple wants to adopt, which I've got all these people listening right now to do. Yeah. And they like, okay, I don't know how I'm going to afford this. How would I work with both hands and, and get this project going for me? Well, the first step is to go online and fill out an application. And, you know, we're, we are a religious nonprofit. So, um, we're, we have a small, you know, we serve Christian families and that's what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so you fill out the application and, uh, your home study has to be done, uh, mm-hmm. to, to complete your application. So you fill that out, send in the home study, and then we would review it. And then assuming you would qualify, then I, we start working with you. Then, you know, my first, the first step is I have about a 45 minute phone call with both the mom and the dad. And we talk about how to recruit a team mm-hmm. and how to find a widow's house in your community. Okay. Cause I coach all of them, all those thousand and eight projects. I've coached them all personally. Wow. Wow. Uh, Oh, it's a blessing. It's just it's my favorite <laughs> thing. One of my favorite things to do. And then we have a system. We've, we've got this system down. You got to remember, we've done it over a thousand times. So we really, I mean, kudos to the staff here. They really do a good job of, of making sure people have all the tools they need, mm-hmm. you know, in order to do things like a letter to invite people to be on the team. And the letter's already pretty much written for people. We have the templates, you know, that the one they'll be sending out for fundraisers. But the process is you'll have that phone call with me. Then the first step is you have a, what we call a kickoff meeting with all your friends where you show a video about both hands and we kind of coach you on how to run that meeting, but you get all your friends fired up, you know, have 15, 20 of your friends over to your house for some dessert and say, here's what we want to do. Mm-hmm. Who wants to join us? Mm-hmm. Because you got to have a team, you know, you got to have a team. That's the thing you gotta, you gotta invite friends to be part of this, but that's really the joy of it because people want to help. Yeah. You know, they say, what can we do to help? I, you know, I can give you a hundred dollars, I can give you whatever, but well, Join this team, send out 40, 50 letters to your friends, and let's let's fix up a widow's house. <laughs> so, you know, that's the kickoff meeting. And then one of the things we do to make sure this works, because obviously people want to do emails, they want to do anything to make it, to, to shortcut it. But we have found that that doesn't work. Because hmm. people delete emails left and right. right. And crowdfunding can work in a lot of places, a lot of ways. But, man, there's nothing like someone getting a hand-addressed envelope in the mail from a friend of theirs saying, Hey, I'm working on a widow's house and I'm doing this for my friends. They're adopting these two twin girls from India. Would you sponsor me for the day? <laughs> a little harder to say no to. It's harder to say no to something like that. Well, then you see at the bottom, the, the both hands doesn't take any money out for their expenses. Yeah. yeah that's <laughs> 100% huge. of your donation is going to go towards this adoption. That's a powerful letter. Yes. You know, and so what we have found is, is people hand address the envelope. So we also coach people. The, the second step is to have an envelope stuffing party at your home where your friends come over and you just knock it out that night. So it's not something you're asking people to do in their spare time. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you're getting it done in one night. And then you obviously set up a time to, I mean, there's, you have to find a widow. We teach you how to find a widow and the kind of things we do for a widow's house it will vary with each group because each group has got different skill sets. My coaching always involves, I just tell them to do simple stuff like painting, cleaning, decluttering, and landscaping. Because those are things that don't cost a lot. You don't yeah. have to have a lot of supplies. And, and it's mostly labor. 
and it's and it's the kind of things that will bless a widow tremendously. And you're trying to get this all done in one day, correct? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, but there's always guys who will put on a roof or they'll put on a bathroom floor because you know there's always there's sure. always people who are very ambitious and they want to really bless. Once they get into it, you know, it's funny because they oh we can do that, oh we can do that. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of fun to see guys get excited about serving a widow because once people do this. I mean, it's just amazing. Even the guys who don't raise the average, they raise less than what the average is. I mean, the conversation is always, JT, this is amazing. I know we didn't raise much we wanted, but what a day. You know, this is all about this widow, Miss Faye or Miss Bonnie. Or, you know, and they're just talking about the widow and how she was blessed. So, yeah, I don't know. I get pretty excited about it. It's, oh, just, it's, it's just so much fun. You yeah, know, I, I started this 11 years ago, and I haven't, I don't think I've worked a day since then. <laughs> Yeah, that's fun. that's really cool, I, and I think you're blessing a lot of folks, and you continue to do that. Uh, uh, so, can anybody donate? I mean, you don't have to be contacted by somebody to donate this, right? You can get on the Both Hands no. website and even donate, no. right? Yeah, you can donate. Find a family. Every every family that's in the middle of a process or in the, in the project has a page on our website, so you can just search their name out. And of course, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't say this. You can always send money to Both Hands for our operations because that's you know, you need that. that keeps us going. That's right. You need <laughs> we, that. We need that. We have a staff, and we have a very, very sharp staff. I mean, they, these they're good. They're my millennials. <laughs> they keep me young. I'm 63. They keep me in skinny jeans and and, and glasses that look good on. That's good. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. Well, kudos to your staff. Then. Yeah. Yeah. On your yeah. website, it's pretty clear. I mean, you if you click on projects, I mean, you've got tons of them on there and you can just click on any one of those and just watch the video and read about their story oh, and they're yeah. they're all amazing yeah. and, and yeah. i think anybody listening to this you you can if you feel led to you can donate if you feel led to start your own then apply and get started yeah, i mean we, it's yeah we'd love i love doing products that not you know that are even just orphan care products when mm -hmm. folks do one for a, an adoption fund or mm -hmm. um or an orphanage or something that's going to benefit. Maybe the foster care system in your county needs some money and you want to raise money for backpacks or whatever. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of ways we can bless people with this model. So, yeah. And in the average family project, not orphan care, because I don't know if I, I don't know if I've got the average for the orphan care projects, but the average family raises right close to between 13,500 and 14,000. Mm hmm. And that's pretty strong. I mean, it a lot is. of times, you know, spaghetti dinner, you'll get $600 or T-shirts, you get a couple thousand. But this yeah. is, you know, we've had families that raise more than that, too. Yeah. And and families that raise less than that. And it just, comes down to, I'm sure, just how much work and how much passion and how much effort you actually are putting into this, too. You know, how many friends are you reaching out to and, and uh, church members yeah. and those kind of folks? Yeah. How much, yes. how much you can get people involved. Yeah. And how does it work then? In the community, then you just go to, or you, I'm sure you teach them how to get Home Depot or somebody else to donate the goods to yeah, help good. fix up the widow's house? Yeah. I mean, we've got letters, obviously, that you know have our logo on it and our tax ID so that the, the store can get their tax advantage. Yeah, you can't, you have to get the, that has to be a separate pile. In fact, the IRS says you can't use any money you raise for the adoption for supplies. So mm -hmm. that's my initial advice when I'm coaching family, Tim, is to keep it simple. Mm -hmm. I, I don't encourage people to build a new deck or put a new roof on. 
because all those supplies have to be donated. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now it doesn't mean it doesn't happen because there's, you know, some people might know somebody who owns a lumber company and they say, what do you need, man? We're going to put a new deck. Great. Here's all the wood you need. I mean, sometimes that happens, but for the most part, I encourage people to keep it simple and simple. Like I said, is painting, cleaning, decluttering, and landscaping mm-hmm. labor intensive stuff. That way you're not going to spend a lot or anything like that. And if, you know, a lot of times people, sometimes Home Depot, Lowe's, Ace Hardware, Walmart, I mean, they'll give you a $25 gift certificate. Sometimes they'll do more than that. It just depends on the relationships you have and how persistent you are, really. <laughs> I think the key here is whatever you do is going to bless the, the widow. <laughs> you know, she's going oh. to just be totally blessed by whatever effort, whatever stuff that you've been thoughts and prayers that you put into helping her, uh, no matter if it's putting on a rough or just cleaning up her house. I yeah. think that's the key. Yeah. Well, and, and, and you watch enough videos, you know, one of the things that the, that, that's pretty common, they don't all say it obviously, but when the widow says, you know, all these people I didn't know came and mm. they just, I mean, they worked so hard and they stayed all day and they got so much done and it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just fun to watch them. Uh, never gets old. Yeah. God, it never gets old. Watch those videos for me. Well, with all these people that you've helped, uh, can you share some success stories, something that may have stood out to you about how these families have worked together and blessed a widow and raised money for their adoption? Well, there's, there's several. The one of them, the ones I've liked is happened early on. I don't know, 2011, 12 or 13 back there, but there was a family in California that did a project and they were going to Ethiopia. And it, they, so they did a both hands project. And the widow that they served, they kind of adopted her as the grandma. Mm. And she accepted that role. And she became very involved in, you know, in this family. Well, about four or five years later, they go back and they're going to adopt again from Ethiopia, I think. And I think the thing was Ethiopia. And, uh, they're doing another both hands project so they're serving another widow, but the widow from the first project, they're taking her with them to Ethiopia. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's that's a two way adoption. That is. They adopt the grandma. That is crazy. It's just amazing. (laughs) Those are, and some of these stories you hear are just in some of the families and how it blesses community. What I see it sometimes it sparks something in the men and women of the church because they see what happens that they work on a project and they go, why don't we do this at least once a month to people in our church? We should be doing this. And it wakes people up to the fact that maybe we're not doing a great job taking care of widows. Right. You know, the 14 million widows that are in our country. Um, so and, and there's a lot of cool things like that. And James 127 is what you're fulfilling there. I mean, really helping, you know, the orphans and the widows yeah. of the world. That's, yeah. that's yeah. an amazing mission. And like you said, uh, <laughs> the most, how'd you say that? The, uh, most, the fanta- most irresistible, irresistible there. in America. <laughs> <laughs> that needs to be your tagline now on, uh, yeah, both hands.org. <laughs> yeah. I need to see that up there. <laughs> no, your, your tagline. I, mean, really I mean, we're helping yeah. widows and orphans and a hundred percent of the money goes. It's just so much fun. Everyone has a good time. Yeah. We really, really <laughs> love what you're doing. And, uh, Anybody can go watch a video and read about the tons of projects that are going on at bothhands.org. And you already mentioned that if families who are wanting to adopt want to 
do something like this, or even if you, like you said, want to help somebody out at your church or just help the foster care system in your county or your town, yeah. where do they go? They, I mean, they can go to the website and it, it, there's an apply yeah. button, I think, right? Yeah, there, yeah, there's an apply. If you're mm-hmm. a family, you can apply. If there's uh, a place where it says contact us, if you want to do a both hands project for orphan care, like the foster care system or an orphanage, or just want to raise money for something that benefits orphans in some way, you just hit the contact, send an email, and we'll get in touch with you. And, you know, uh, Bethany or Annie or somebody will get in touch with you and we'll get the process rolling. The application for a family is a whole lot more extensive than the application for an organization, just so you know that. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Anyone who's, anyone who's adopting understands what I'm talking about because they know these forms can be <laughs> rather extensive. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Well, where should folks go to follow you and especially get your book? I mean, we've mentioned bothhands.org. What else can they do? And where can yeah. they get your book? Both, bothhandsbook.com. Oh, that's simple. Very good. Bothhandsbook.com. And I'd asked my staff yesterday just to make sure I had that right. So, yeah, my, <laughs> my staff has told me that's right. <laughs> They're there to help you. <laughs> that's right. Of course, you can always contact us if there's if that doesn't work for some reason. Just always just email us. Go to contact us. Bothhands.org mm-hmm. is our website. You're a motivational speaker. I mean, I can tell you're a motivational speaker. You, you're you're an amazing guy. But you speak to organizations and other places around the country too. Yes. Yes, I've done that before, and uh, I spent many years as a sales manager. You know, with working with young people. So. I had about 30 years of experience in that, so it's, I enjoy it. <laughs> good, good. Do you still do a lot of that then, speaking around the, the country? Or? I, I speak most of the time when I speak, most of the time it's about adoption or both hands or something like right. that. But I would, well, you know, I, I just always welcome the chance to go talk to somebody and if I can help fire a team up for something that's that's important, I'd love doing that. Very good. Well, you fired us up for sure. We really yeah. appreciate Let's everything. Let's go get them. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, anybody listening to this, if you're not fired up about helping out a widow and raising money for your adoption, boy, just uh, just keep listening and go, go get your book because it's, it's yeah. awesome. It's awesome. I was just engaged in it and got read through it so fast. I surprised even myself. But uh, I would say anybody listening to this, I'm going to challenge anybody listening to do two things. Go to bothhands.org see how you can get involved. You can donate. You can even get signed up to raise money for your own adoption journey. Something you can do. Go to bothhands.org. That's number one. Number two, go get JT's book, The Orphan, The Widow, and Me. I loved it. I know you will too. So JT, thank you. It's it's clear you've poured your heart and soul into this book, into your organization. Uh, It's going to touch a lot of people and I'm sure it already has. Um, And it's just a book that's going to touch the heart really of anybody who reads it. So Thank you for coming on. The, the Both Ends organization is amazing. I hope your mission and your message c- continues to spread all over, continue to help thousands more because you're doing some amazing work that's truly blessed by God. So thanks for coming on the show today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Those are kind words. Encouraging. Thank you. It's been, it's been fun. To, I love telling the story. <laughs> all right. Thanks, JT. You're welcome. Have a great day. All right, so fun to have JT on the show today. Fantastic guy, just full of energy, doing some incredible things for the adoption world and for widows. I just love it, love it, love it. So I hope you did too. I hope you got a lot out of that interview. And you can find all the highlights and links that we talked about on today's show notes at infantadoptionguide.com forward slash 69. 
And while you're there at infiniteadoptionguide.com, you can check out some free adoption guides I have for you. Just your first name, your email. I'm going to send some good stuff to you, free guides and more. Um, no spam. No, I'm not going to just barrage your <laughs> inbox with stuff. But I want to help you on your infinite adoption journey, help you save money, time, and stress. So we're going to do that. And we can. you can join our Facebook group too. Uh, at infiniteoptionguide.com at the top there you'll see just the, the link for Facebook group it's my personal one that I've set up only for people that want to adopt so I encourage you to go there hop on there say hi and uh, we're all there encouraging and supporting each other so thanks again for listening until next time you are in my prayers as you go on the journey to build your family through infinite adoption God bless thanks for listening to my dad